0: This is day three together of our look through Matthew chapter one. We spent the first couple of days starting the story, looking at the genealogy, where Jesus came into history, how he came out of history, how God had planned from the very beginning that Jesus would come. And now we come to the day. Now we come to what God did. As you take a look down in verse 18, here's how the story continues. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. And you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, as you look at what happens here, one of the things that bugs me sometimes is we read God's word as if it were some unreal fairy tale, forgetting the real people, the real emotions that were going on. I think when we do this, we miss much of what God wants to teach us. We miss the story of what God wants to do in our lives. Example number one is right here with Joseph. Put yourself in the place of Joseph. You're engaged to be married, and your future wife tells you she's going to have a child, and you're not the father. How would you react Now, it says here he plans to divorce her. That confuses us because for us, divorce only happens after marriage. But in their day, engagement was such a strong commitment to break the engagement, you would have to get a divorce. So they had not been together as husband and wife as yet. They're just engaged. But in order to break it off, Joseph starts to think, I'm going to have to divorce her. She has disappointed me. This is one of those situations where Joseph shows us the kind of man that he really is. How would you have reacted in this kind of situation? Joseph was chosen by God. He knew that Mary was to be the mother. He knew that Joseph was to be the stepfather, the earthly father to his his only son. He knew that Joseph would be the one that would help Jesus to grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. He saw something in Joseph. What did he see? Well, as I look at the life of Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, I see that Joseph is a man of character, and he's a man... Of obedience. In just a few verses here, a few words here, you see that he is a man of character. The Bible says he decided he would divorce her quietly. Now, if you look back at the law, he had every right to put her to a public trial, to put her to public shame, and even under the law to have her face capital punishment for what she had done. That's the seriousness of this sexual sin in their society. Now, you can argue about whether that should have happened or not, but the truth of the matter is that was their law. Instead, Joseph thought, I'm going to divorce her quietly. He shows his character. He shows to me there are a couple of things, that he's a man of love above law, and he's a man who placed others above himself. He's a man who placed love above law. He was not willing to disgrace her. Love won out over the law. Relationship to him was more important than rules. People were more important than punishment. Even though he might have been angry or hurt or disappointed, his love for Mary continued, and it won out over the law. And he was a man who placed others above himself. In this planned action that he was going to take, Joseph was setting himself up for accusation that somehow he had been with Mary before they were married. And that's why he had set her aside. That's why he hadn't been angry. That's why he hadn't brought it to the courts. He had done something wrong. The only reason you hide something is because you've done something wrong. And yet instead, he places Mary above himself. He exemplifies the attitude that Jesus had. In Philippians chapter two, Paul talks about it, this attitude of humility, of putting others above yourself. In fact, you see that Joseph shows the very heart that Jesus was to have. Jesus put love above law. He went to the cross. He put others above himself. He gave himself for us. Joseph was a man of deep character. And you see that again and again in these few glimpses we have into his life. Even more strongly, you see in these glimpses into Joseph's life, not only in this chapter, but in chapter two, that Joseph was a man of obedience. Again, when God chose Mary to be the mother, he knew that he would be choosing Joseph to be the stepfather. So what qualities was he looking for in this man who would be the earthly father of his only son? The most striking thing to me in the Bible, in the story of Joseph's life, as you see it unfold, is not his job or his physique, it's not his magnetic personality or his business instincts. The quality of Joseph's life that strikes like a lightning bolt is his willingness to obey. He was an obedient man. He followed God in the most difficult of circumstances, when God told him to wed Mary, to marry Mary, even though she was pregnant, he obeyed. When God told him to flee Egypt to protect the baby, he obeyed. When God said return to Israel, he obeyed. Now, sometimes for us, the word obedience, it can have a negative connotation. It's like a, an unthinking kind of connotation. Just Google the word obedience. The first hits are all gonna be on dog obedience schools. That's a great picture, isn't it? Of our relationship with God. Dog obedience schools, heel, sit bark or our relationship with God is sing, read, pray. But a lot of people, that's what they think of when they think of obedience. It's this unthinking action. But God is not asking for our unthinking obedience. Obedience instead, it's a quality of our relationship with him. What is obedience? To me, it is the three words, love, trust, and act. That's what obedience is. Love, you know that God loves you. Where it starts. You know that He has your best interest at heart. And out of that comes trust. You believe what God says. And out of that, you act. You act on that belief. It takes all three. Action without love, that's just rote religion. And that can happen. That's not obedience, though. That's just rote. That's just religion. Love without action, that's just words. That's not obedience either. To say it but not do it. There's nothing in that. The truth is, there's nothing there's nothing more beautiful than genuine obedience. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, one act of obedience is better than 100 sermons. That's the reason we preach sermons. That's the reason we teach. That's the reason we study God's Word, is so that we can do what God has made us to do. Now, the truth is, you and I, at least I'll admit this for myself, we tend to be better at obeying when we can clearly see where we're going. God, if you could just give me the whole plan, give me the map, then it's very easy to obey. But many times we have to obey when we don't understand it. When I don't understand it, God does. What do I do when I don't understand what's happening to me? The answer is, do what God says because God does know what's happening. I may not understand, but he does know what's happening. And that's the moment when you obey. Now, those three words again, what does it mean for you to obey? You love, you trust and you act. Let's spend just a moment doing that together. Because if I'm going to learn from the life of Joseph, this quality of obedience in my life, and we'll talk more about this tomorrow, I got to learn to do these three things. So right now, determine like never before, that as you walk through this study of who Jesus is in the gospel of Matthew, that your love for God will deepen. Your love for Jesus will deepen and determined by God's strength through the Holy Spirit that your trust in who God is, what his word has to say, will strengthen. And out of that, that your actions, that you will decide to act in brand new ways, act in ways of obedience, act in ways that show the love and trust that you have for him. Let's take a moment as we pray together, as we end today's study, ask that God would do that very thing in our hearts, our lives today. Lord, I pray today, we pray today, you'd help us to love you, knowing that you love us, that you love us in Christ in ways that are above and beyond our imagination. And out of that love for you, Lord, let that love lead to a deepening trust in you. It's so easy for us to trust ourselves, trust our instincts, trust the way we've done it a hundred times, even though it may have led us into trouble a hundred times. It's so easy for us to trust ourselves and so hard for us to trust you sometimes. But Lord, you're trustworthy because you're the one who loves us the most and understands us the best. So let our trust in you today deepen. And out of that love and trust, let there be the action, that moment we act in obedience, that moment when we do what you've asked us to do, whether it means picking up your word and letting it become a part of our lives or talking to you about a circumstance instead of just moving ahead on our own or loving a person that's hurting, reaching out to them, or caring about somebody that, maybe has hurt us, and we decide to forgive them by your power and strength. Whatever it means, Lord, help us to act in obedience today because we love you, because we trust you. We pray that you strengthen us to do this. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow, we're going to begin to look together at five specific qualities of obedience that you and I can learn from Joseph.